good to see you here this morning. Some new faces, some I haven't seen in a while. A lot of you, I've gotten to see you regularly. And I'm so thankful that we get to get together here and to praise God and be thankful for who he is. Can I have all of you stand up as we continue our praise service? We have a new song here, but uh, even if you don't know it, you can give what the Bible calls a joyful noise. So give it your best shot. And we have a few announcements here. Um, first off, just once again, thank you for being here. Isn't this, I know it's cold outside, but it's just such a beautiful day to be able to be in each of your presence, but even more importantly, in God's presence. 
Um, if you haven't had a chance, uh, feel free to go grab some communion. We've got some around here. If you're at home watching on the live stream, uh, go get something that you can you can join with us in participating in this, this special thing that we do every single week. A few announcements as well, though. Uh, we have a coat drive that's going to end next week at the end of November. So we encourage you, if you have anything you can donate, maybe you can go bug your friends, go down your neighborhood, find, just take it off of somebody while you're walking along. Just grab it and just take it. And I'm just kidding. Um, but feel free to, uh, we, we've got some different places where you can uh, donate some clothes. Um, we've also got, or for coats, um, we've got the ladies cook exchange. Uh, there's some info in the back, but that's going to be December 3rd uh, for ladies only. Um, so if you are interested in that and of the female persuasion, we encourage you for that. And then also uh, decorating for Christmas is going to happen right after this. So you have no escape route that you really should have. I'm just kidding. I, but if you can, right afterwards, we're right here by the platform. Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to be doing some decorating, getting this place ready for Christmas. It's that season already, isn't it? That's awesome. Um, and plus, I also want to just encourage you that uh, the ministry here at Southwoods, um, it happens because you guys are faithful in your giving. And I encourage you to continue to do that. I encourage you to... Um, to just continue to think of all the, the ministries that happen here and the, the, the missions that uh, we serve uh, beyond and uh, continue to give. Uh, there's three ways that you can give. You can uh, give in person, you can mail, and you can do it online. And there's just the screen here kind of encourages you on different ways that you can give. Let's go ahead and continue to praise, and uh, we're going to sing this next song, We Praise You. This is what freedom feels like 
This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what heaven sounds like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. We'll see you break down every wall. Look what a giant fall. We fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of moments and just greet each other. Say hi, give them a high five, and then stay standing.
thank you that you are faithful always you will always show up that you are always there that you are always triumphant and that you will always take care of us in the midst of all things you are the alpha and the omega the one forever you are always and we can be stake our lives upon that and be thankful for that in jesus name amen you can be seated we're going to sing a song that uh I sang when I was, uh, well, we've sang it a few times, but this is kind of the little bit older way of singing this, and it's a beautiful song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. So I just encourage you to sing with. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning. Thou changes not thy compassion, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Bye. 
dangers I think in our in our world and our society is the danger of entitlement the idea that there's all these things that we deserve maybe just because we're human we exist and of course we are made in the image of God and there's so much that he wants to give us but one of the weird interesting things is when we have the perspective that we deserve everything it actually makes life significantly worse Yesterday, uh, Judah and I went to a Nebraska football game. Maybe you know where I'm going to go with this. I don't know. <laughs> it was freezing cold. We were in the top. We had great, I mean, we could see well, but it was up there and the wind was whipping at us. And in fact, we were there and like some of those hand warmer packets were just like smacking us in the face while we're just there because the wind was pretty strong. And uh, in the end of the game, Nebraska lost in the last minute by one point for like the hundredth time. (laughs) And, you know, everything you would think would be horrible. But afterwards, I said, Judah, this was one of my favorite days ever. I loved it. And he had a great time, too. And I am so thankful that our circumstances don't have to they don't have to determine our thankfulness or our worship. In fact, the the beautiful thing is the foundation of joy and worship is thankfulness, gratitude in all things. In this last song that we sang, just, just to be able to sing that and just say that authentically, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed you have provided. Lord, great is your faithfulness to me, even if I don't deserve it. We're going to sing a special song, um, and then we're going to have communion after that. But just listen to the words of these songs that Sarah's, the song that Sarah's going to sing about the beautiful Jesus that we worship.
So let's pray one more time, and then we'll dive into this morning's message, all right? Grateful that you're here today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the reminder of that, even as we've worshiped this morning. We have so much to be grateful for when it comes to you. Um, words just escape our ability to fully categorize and describe everything that is um, so praiseworthy, so wonderful, so good about you. Everything from your name and its beauty all the way to your glorious grace, your patience, your tenderheartedness toward us. We just honor you and celebrate you today, and we will forever because of your faithfulness, your kindness. And now, Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we invite your spirit to work and to speak and to strengthen our hearts. Would you fill us, Lord? We desperately need more of you in us that we might represent you in this world uh, much more consistent with who you really are. And uh, thank you that you've promised to be here among us and do that very thing. So uh, we just open our hearts to you and ask to be filled by you as we look at your word this morning. It's our prayer, our request in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. Years ago, I heard a little story about a group of tourists. I love this story. And uh, they were visiting a picturesque old village in Europe. And while these tourists were there, the group walked by an old man who was sitting beside a fence, just kind of watching the tourists. And you got the sense that he did this often. He just sat there and watched them. And in a rather patronizing way, one of the tourists asked the old man, have, have any great men been born in this village? And the old man replied, nope, only babies. Some of you may need to think about that a little bit, but from a biblical perspective, only one great man has ever been born, only one who's great, and uh, he even came as a baby, and of course, we'll talk about his unique birth, his identity here in a few weeks, but according to the scriptures, everyone, whether king or peasant, is born and then rises to greatness or shrinks into insignificance on the basis of their choices. And biblically speaking, the path to greatness, it's a counterintuitive one compared to the way this world operates and thinks. You know, the path to greatness from God's perspective is not paved with accomplishments and awards and self-promotion and celebrity applause. This is not the path to greatness. The path to greatness is paved with every choice that you and I make to serve. To serve. Completely counterintuitive. Gratitude. Greatness. Other things we could talk about if we had time to catalog all of this, but... These things come through serving others, and every one of us needs to choose that path of greatness, no matter how great or insignificant we happen to feel like we are in this particular moment. We need to choose God's path toward greatness. And Jesus taught his disciples a lot about this, but growth in this area uh, didn't come effortlessly to them. The disciples struggled with it, just like we struggle with this. We see that pretty clearly in a passage that I want us to give our attention to this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, open it to Mark chapter 10. 
It's a familiar passage maybe to some, uh, new to others, I'm sure. Uh, But Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at this. This passage gives us some very important insight into the mind and heart of Jesus. It's just a great passage to read and just think to yourself as you read. This is how Jesus thought. This is how he viewed people. This is how he viewed the world. It's, It's insightful that way. But the passage also reveals a lot about human nature. A lot about human tendencies. And as we look carefully at Mark 10, I hope you'll listen real carefully to what Jesus has to say to us about the path to greatness, because uh, it's really important and relevant for all of us, okay? Jesus speaking here in just a moment. The passage begins, verse 32, Mark 10, 32, with these words. They were now on the way up to Jerusalem, speaking about the disciples, walking with Jesus. They were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. So just pause, get the picture. Here they are. The disciples, the twelve, you've got others that are with them because Jesus never went anywhere where there wasn't a crowd following him pretty much by this time in his ministry and his life. And so there's this throng of people behind and as Jesus was walking a little ahead of all of them, says the text says the disciples were filled with awe. Now they're headed to Jerusalem and the disciples are thinking, this is incredible. We're finally going to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to present himself. This is going to be a remarkable moment. It's going to change everything for the better. This is what's going through the disciples' mind. And the people, the text says, following behind were overwhelmed with fear. They kind of had a different perspective of what was going on here. And so the text says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, two of the twelve, mind you, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What's your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. I mean, are are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We're able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you. Most translations actually say, Whoever wants to be great among you is what most of the translations say. Whoever wants to be leader or great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now clearly as you read the text, Jesus' first disciples were having challenges when it comes to growing into becoming servants. I mean, they they were struggling with that. Let me add, just like all of us do, if we'd have been there, we'd have been no better off. Probably worse if I'd have been there, probably. I don't think most of you just watch the disciples' lives. You know, we sometimes poke fun at them of like, well, look at this. They didn't figure that out. You know, I can pretty much assure you if any of us were there, at best we'd have done the same. At worst, it'd have been a lot worse. I mean, that's just, these, Jesus picked these people. They were good men. They had good hearts, generally, all but one, who Jesus picked him on purpose. 
But in this event, what you find as you analyze it carefully is that there are four hindrances to growth as servants that show up. And they're hindrances that are affecting the lives of the disciples in this moment, hindrances that affect all of our lives. And since the path to greatness in heaven's eyes requires requires growth in servanthood and Christ-likeness. We're going to spend a few moments this morning looking at those hindrances and inviting the Holy Spirit to fill us and help change us and point us in a better, more godly, more Christ-like direction because that's why the Holy Spirit's been given to us is to help us in those ways. And so, uh, so for the next few minutes, hope you'll just note these hindrances Analyze your own life as we talk about these things and just invite the Holy Spirit to kind of help you if any of these are afflicting you and your growth, your pursuit of what it means to live like a servant, to live with a servant's heart as Jesus emphasizes here in the text. The first hindrance that shows up as you work your way through the passage is this. It's the pursuit of honor. I mean, it's the, it's the first one you see. It's just glaring in its visibility there. I mean, pursuing honor, notoriety, recognition, position, it, it just skews a person's ability to see. It blinds them when they think they see to some degree or another. It blinds people to the needs and pains of others around them. It blinds them to the consequences of choices that they're about to make or that they are making. I mean, when you and I are pursuing honor, it, to some extent, it, it blinds us to reality that's right in front of us and we just can't perceive it. That shows up really clearly in the text, really clearly. Look at verse 35. Look at what it says. It just describes this scene. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to Jesus, spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Would you do us a favor? What's your request, Jesus asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right, the other on your left. You see what's going on here? I mean, James and John, they are thinking, we're... We want positions of influence and honor and recognition. And and they're blind to reality. The very verses before verse 35, Jesus has once again, the text tells us, tried to describe reality to his disciples. But, But they were so busy being in awe of this grandiose plan they thought was ahead of them, that they were blind to what was really about to happen. Look at verses 32, middle of verse 32. The text says, taking the 12 disciples aside. Remember, they were the ones who were in awe. They were the astonished ones. Everybody else is scared spitless. I mean, they just don't, they're nervous. They're, they're, They're concerned about what's about to happen. But taking the 12 aside, because they're the most clueless ones, that's what Jesus is doing here, Jesus once more, yet again, began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said. Why would he say that? Because they've not been listening. They've not been listening. That's why he's repeating himself. Listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die, hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, kill him. After three days, though, he will rise from the dead, rise again. These sons of Zebedee were staring reality in the face and blind to it. Why? They were so focused on honor notoriety, recognition, position, that they couldn't see reality right in front of their face. Here's the point. Same thing happens to every one of us when it comes to learning to be servants of those around us and serving Jesus, even for that matter, himself, is that we're going to miss opportunities that are just right there, right here, right here. We'll miss them. Because we're thinking, I'm all that. I'm somebody special. 
I'm important. I want to, I, I want to, I want influence. Thinking to ourselves and justifying it the way our culture does. If I get a place of influence, then I can do good things. Rather than recognizing, no, no, it, learn to do good things. And then God will exalt you to a place of influence. That's heaven's way. Disciples didn't get it at this point. They did eventually, but they were remedial learners in this, just like we tend to be. Second hindrance to growing in servanthood is foreshadowed in this passage of Scripture. Look at verse 38 with me, where the text says, Jesus says to his disciples, you, you don't know what you're asking. I mean, just addressing pretty much head on the blindness that they have, you know, for this because of their pursuit of honor, says, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We're able. I mean, that, that uh, self-interest was blinding the disciples to the suffering that was coming their way in only a matter of days. I mean, they could not have grasped how close it was to them this moment, without opening their eyes, stop looking at what they hoped was for their future, and assess the realities right in front of them. Because what you find is that when the suffering began with Jesus' betrayal, arrest, trial, I mean, they, they clearly were caught off guard because do you remember what the 11 disciples' response was to the sufferings? If you've read the Gospels you know, lately, you remember... They ran, one of them, Mark, ran away buck naked from the Garden of Gethsemane. That tends to escape our notice sometimes as we're reading it. But literally, I mean, they grabbed his cloak and he ran out of his clothes through the streets of Jerusalem to get away from this. The disciples hid. One of them denied knowing Jesus. The second hindrance to growing in servanthood is, is, is really this. It's the prevention of pain and suffering. It's, it's deciding that I want to avoid at all costs pain and suffering. You know, it's not just about pursuing honor. It's also about avoiding pain and suffering. That became the primary objective of the disciples at that moment when they realized that the notoriety was not, you know, in their future. Uh, they suddenly moved into prevention of pain and suffering mode. That became the primary objective, which is always a major hindrance to growth and servanthood because rarely are you going to serve God or somebody and it not involve pain, sacrifice, disappointment, somebody who's got an entitlement spirit and you're the one serving them and it's just sort of like, and you're feeling good about I'm trying to serve this person, but because I got an entitlement spirit, it's like it, it just robs you of any sense of joy in it. And, you know, so some of us recoil because of these things. I, I mean, this is what the the disciples were wrestling with in this moment. They went into prevention of pain and suffering mode. And if you follow the New Testament, you know that the apostles, the early church, believers in our day for that matter, in Iran and North Korea and many Muslim countries, many, many have risen above it. But rising above pain and suffering or the threat of those things requires a stronger commitment to serving Christ than to protecting self. Stronger commitment to, to serving Christ and protecting your own self or self-interest. This has long been a challenge to becoming servants. Scriptures are really clear that in the last days, lots and lots of people who call themselves Christians are going to buckle on this one. That's why the scriptures talk about a great apostasy leading up to the days of Jesus' return. Jesus himself says, the love of most will grow cold. 
Why? Self-protection. Trying to prevent pain and suffering. Our tendency is to want the blessing of God. We want the reward, the provision without sacrifice, without cost. Grace is free. Grace is free. Becoming a servant and Christ-like requires, as Jesus says, dying to self. This is not our preference, most of us. It just isn't. It's a hindrance to the disciples. It's a hindrance to us becoming servants, Christ-like. Third hindrance that shows up in the text to growing in servanthood and Christ-likeness shows up in verse 41, and it's the presence of envy. And it always has fascinated me over the years as I've read this verse, because it just says, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were upset with what took place. Now, of course, you know how that conversation went. I mean, it goes like this. The disciples... They see that they did this, and they're in, the other, they're in James and John's face. How could you do this? This is like, we thought you were bigger than this. We th- I mean, and, you know, work to belittle and put them in their place and so forth. But what's going on inside of their hearts? Ugh, we didn't think of that first. That's what they're thinking. Why didn't I ask first? Because now they've blown my opportunity to do this. You see, that never gets said. But that's going on inside of the human heart. It's the presence of envy. There was envy and competition and comparison among them. We know that not just because of this passage, but many others. Literally on the night of Jesus' last supper, I mean, they're debating about who's the greatest among them. I mean, that's, the, that's part of the dialogue in the biblical text. I want you to think about this. Is it easy to selflessly serve someone that you're jealous of? Is it easy to selflessly serve someone that you're comparing yourself with? Of course not. But it is possible to serve someone like that if you and I are willing to die to envy and self-interest. It is possible. We need the Holy Spirit's help. We need His presence in our lives, but it can be done. The Holy Spirit helped the disciples overcome themselves, you know, envy. He can help us too. But the presence of envy is always, always a hindrance to becoming servants, becoming Christ-like. The fourth hindrance to growth and servanthood that shows up in the passage is the preservation of control. The preservation of the desire to preserve control. Think about this with me. Does the desire to preserve power and control prompt leaders in our world to serve others or dominate others? Which is the natural tendency in our world? You don't even have to think very hard about that. Just think about the political world that we live in. Think about Jesus' words. In Mark 10, verse 42, he says, middle of the verse, he says, You know that the rulers in this world, this is how he describes it, lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, Jesus says, you who are my disciples... Notice what he says, among you, it will be different. He's he's redefining the culture of leadership. He's redefining the culture of what it means to be a follower of God. And he's just saying, you're not going to behave this way. My disciples are not going to behave this way. And he goes on and explains, whoever wants to be a leader among you, whoever wants to be great, must be your servant. Your servant, whoever wants to be first among you, must be the slave of everyone else. It's fine. It's just like ambition is fine. You, you want to be the leader? Okay. You, you get to focus on being the servant 
the slave of everybody else in the group, and, and you do that and go after it. This is what it means to become a servant of Jesus. And Jesus explains it this way by just saying, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the challenge for all of us, for every follower of Jesus, past, present, and future. The challenge is to live differently than what comes naturally to us. The challenge is to live differently than how most people in our world have a tendency to live. And that runs contrary to all of us because our natural inclination is we want to be approved of each other. We want everybody to look at us and say, oh, I love how you're dressed. Oh, I love your hair. That is a fantastic presentation you just did. This, I mean, we... we our culture, we live for the applause of the people around us. This is, this, is the, this is the human tendency for all of us. And Jesus is calling us to live for the applause of someone else. Our challenge is to live like Christ who chose a lifestyle of servanthood over a lifestyle of being served. And the decisive question for all of us is, will you, like Jesus, make the same choice? To live for God and not the applause of the person sitting next to you. Will you do that? In heaven's eyes, that is the path to true and lasting greatness. Greatness is achieved no other way. No one is born into greatness. Greatness is a byproduct of the choices that we make day in, day out. Little choices, sometimes big ones. But most of them are little choices that we make every day, day in and day out, to serve and bless the life of someone else who's around us in ways that no one will see or notice except someone who's in the heavens. You know, a 17th century French writer once wrote these words, and it, this quote has, uh, it's, it's quite insightful. Just listen to what he says. He says, The fame of great men should always be judged by the methods they employed to achieve it. Just think about that one more time. The fame of great men should always be judged by the methods they employed to achieve it. That's a statement that Jesus would agree with. In heaven's eyes, there's only one method by which men and women can achieve true greatness. It's through choosing to be a servant of others. And though it doesn't come naturally to any of us, Let's choose, like Jesus, to serve the people around us rather than just be served. We're called to that by Him. You know, this week is Thanksgiving. You know, uh, we're going to have lots of opportunities to serve people around us. You ever notice that sometimes the most difficult people to serve are those you're closest to? You ever notice? It's not always that way, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it's easier to serve strangers. We prefer to serve strangers. Sometimes because, like, we can imagine in our mind what's going on in their lives, and we just kind of concoct this grandiose thing of what we're doing and how difficult their lives are and how noble we are in helping them. It's a good thing to serve others, serve strangers. Don't misunderstand. Help strangers. Jesus, Jesus would challenge us to do that. But this week, we've all got in front of us an opportunity to serve people who are close to us. And whether we think we're great or insignificant, 
be a great opportunity if we're not in, invested in the pursuit of self-honor or interest or if we're not trying to prevent pain and suffering and hardship, if we're not trying to just live by envy or this kind of stuff. If we, it's a great opportunity before us to grow in servanthood. And when you do that, uh, you and I become somebody who we can truly be grateful toward Jesus for what he's done. We're going to grow in gratitude toward him, and people are going to be grateful for us for the right reasons, for the right reasons. I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. Um, maybe you need to invite Jesus into your life. As I said along the way, I mean, every one of us needs, needs the Lord's presence in our hearts to to become servants like Jesus is. It's just not gonna, you're not going to drift that way, and you're not going to willpower your way into that because it'll break down. You need the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, in your heart and life. Maybe you need to invite him in this morning. Maybe you need to demonstrate your faith by being baptized, as Scripture teaches. Um, the filling of the Holy Spirit kind of promised with that. Read Acts 2.38 if you've never read that. You need the Spirit of God. You need to be baptized as scripture teaches maybe you need prayer for some need in your life um, come on down afterwards some of us here be happy to pray for you after we close in prayer before we leave i want to pronounce over you a blessing kind of a benediction that i ran across this past week and i thought just as we wrap up i thought it was just kind of a beautiful benediction i want to i want to speak it over you pronounce it over you right after our prayer so it just kind of, after I pray and say amen, just hang still for a moment. I'll do the benediction, then we'll be dismissed, okay? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kindness, your servant spirit. We're so grateful for all that you've done, all that you've modeled, all that you've taught us. We're thankful for the example of the disciples and it being recorded in Scripture, we thank you that you didn't sugarcoat all of their lives and make it all syrupy, sweet, and pristine, but you recorded in Scripture their challenges, their struggles that we might learn from them. Lord, we need the presence, the working of your Spirit to become like you, to become servants like you. We thank you that you did not come to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for us. We ask, Lord, that you'd fill us with your spirit, that you'd cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that you'd make us your own and remind us of all that you sacrificed for us this week. As we celebrate Thanksgiving, Lord, we want to begin by just saying thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Would you help us to become more like you, to be a blessing to serve those who are part of our lives, whether they be family or strangers. We want to honor you. We want to do the right thing. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Now would your blessing rest on all of us as we endeavor to pursue this path, and we'll leave it to you. Whether our lives are great or not by any human standard, we just want to be great by your standard. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servants, someday as we stand before you. Help us to that end. It's our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being right where you are. Christ, who indwells you by the power of His Spirit, wants to do something great in you and through you. Believe this and go and serve in His grace, His love, His power. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we declare this for Christ's glory's sake. Amen. Amen. May your thanksgivings be blessed. Take care.